Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Together, as a church, we have been studying the book of Romans. It's an excellent book in the New Testament. In the AM, we're going through all the chapters. Hey, Amelia, good to see you. Um, we're going through all the chapters. In the night, we're going a bit rogue. We're just doing topical preaching, at picking a scripture out of Romans and preaching on that. Tonight, my topic is managing your mind. And these snakes are for anyone who can guess the scripture in Romans that I am preaching from that talks about our mind. Come on, Joe Durham, you know this. (laughs) Not Romans 3. Yes, Romans 12, what does it say? Either of you, you can share. Yes. Okay, stand up. Ready? What is that? All right. When I was training to be a teacher, they told me one key. They said, either you manage your class or your class will manage you. And what is true for a classroom of 30 kids is also true for your mind. If you don't manage your mind, your mind will manage you. Our minds are rogue. They go rogue. Do you notice that your mind never asks you permission? You're Your mind doesn't come to you at 7 o'clock in the morning and say, excuse me, Ros, at 10 o'clock today, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to tell you that you are fat and ugly. I'm just asking permission. I'm getting you ready. And so if they did at 10 o'clock, I'd be ready to say, no, I'm not fat and ugly. Um, But your mind doesn't do that. Your mind doesn't knock at the door and ask permission to come in. It just barges in, barges into our door. Barges into our thinking. Our brains sound very convincing, don't they? We believe our thoughts even if they tell us really, really weird stuff. Here are the top, I googled, here are the top lies that we tell ourselves. Ready? I'll open this packet of biscuits now and just have one. (laughs) It's not real money if you pay with a card. I'll get up early in the morning and go to the gym. Getting a few laughs from that one. Uh, That's the end of it now. The diet starts tomorrow. I'm getting eight hours sleep tonight, no excuses. And the last one, stalking people on Instagram is really, really weird and I'm not going to do it anymore. (laughs) The scripture says that we can choose what we think. Do you know that you can choose what we think? In fact, the scripture in Deuteronomy says, choose life or death. There's very few neutral thoughts. Most of our thoughts either lead to life or to a dead end. They promote life in your brain or they lead to stuckness. In fact, nearly every thought you've had so far today has gone one of those two ways. Here is our text tonight from Romans 12. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world But let God transform you into a new person by Botox, by getting rich, 
By getting the perfect husband. No, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is what tonight is about. Tonight we're talking about how we are transformed. And we are transformed by the way we think. In fact, God is far more interested in changing your thinking than he is in changing the weather, than in changing your circumstances, than in changing your boss. He wants to change the way we think. However, God has a disclaimer. He will never force you to think a certain way. He's given us autonomy and he will never make us think any thoughts. He's given us a free choice. It's up to us whether we choose life, which is transformation, or death. Okay, so why is it important that we manage our mind? Three reasons. Ready? Three reasons why we should manage our mind. The first one is that our thoughts, your thoughts, my thoughts, control our life. If you have a discouraged thought, if you have discouraged thoughts, you will have a discouraged life. If you have hopeless thoughts, you will have a hopeless life. If you have self-defeating thoughts, you will have a self-defeating life. Your life lines up with your thoughts. A lot of people think that their thoughts line up with their life. They think, I'll live this way and my thoughts will follow. But it's not true. Actually, your thoughts go first and your life follows. I've got a photo up there of a horse and cart. What comes first? You never see a cart. You never see a cart. You never see a horse following a cart. You always see a horse a cart following a horse. The horse is your thoughts. Not really. This is just kind of interesting picture. <laughs> your horse is your thoughts and the cart is your life. Your thoughts go first and your life follows. We cannot, let me tell you this, you cannot have a different life outside to the one you have inside. It is impossible to think negatively inside and have a positive life. If you want to change, you have to change the way you think. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Be careful how you think, because your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful, be careful, be careful how you think. The Bible tells us that every action starts with a thought. If you don't think it, it doesn't happen. If you go past a bakery and think, I would like that custard tart, guess what? You're probably going to go in and buy that custard tart. If you think kind thoughts, you will act in a kind way. If you think violent thoughts, you will act in a violent way. That's why they go into homes of guy, people that have done crimes. They go in and search their homes. If they've done a violent crime, they often find in their home lots of violent material. The second reason we should manage our mind is because our mind is where the battle is won or lost. The biggest battle is not in your circumstances. It is not in that other person that is really annoying you. The biggest battle is your own mind. Romans 7, 23 says this, But there is something else deep within me, in my lower nature, that is at war 
with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself enslaved to sin. So encircle the words war and fight and enslaved. They're not kumbaya, sit by the fire words. They're fighting words. They're war words. There is a battle going on in your mind. Sometimes you're aware of it, but a lot of times we're not aware of it. And that's why we get mental fatigue. It's all right to get mental fatigue. And we go through seasons in life, sometimes seasons where there's more pressure or we're more vulnerable than normal. And we have a battle in our mind. The reason the battle is so intense is because your battle is your greatest asset. Your mind is your greatest asset. It is also very dangerous, your mind. Satan goes for the greatest asset, the thing that can take you out, the thing that can transform you because he doesn't want you to be transformed. He starts with your mind. He doesn't start with your behaviour. He doesn't start with your emotions. All right, the third reason is because it's the key to peace. Everyone go, ah, peace. <laughs> Romans 8, 6 says this. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, dead end. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. A managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. A managed mind leads to strength. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and to chaos. A managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. Have a quick look at this clip. I got no leg room back here. Move your seat forward. It's as far as it goes. There's a mechanism. You just pull it and throw your body weight. I pulled it. It doesn't go. If you want the leg room, say you want the leg room. Don't blame the mechanism. All right, Dad, we're five blocks from the house. Sit sideways. Like an animal. Because of her, I have to sit here like an animal. Serenity now! Serenity now! <laughs> what is that? Doctor gave me a relaxation cassette. When my blood pressure gets too high, the man on the tape tells me to say, Serenity now! Are you supposed to yell it? And the tape wasn't specific. <laughs> what happened to the screen door? It blew off again? I told you to fix that thing. Serenity, no! <laughs> so there's one thing right with that clip and one thing wrong with that clip. Frankie's doing one right thing. He's leaning into his emotion. And that is a good thing. Because God has made us emotional beings. He's made us to feel sad, angry, fearful, um, happy. There's nothing wrong with feeling. In fact, you feel because you are made in the image of God. And it's very dangerous to stuff your feeling down. Don't bottle your feeling or stuff your feeling down because I'm going to tell you, it will come out. It will leak out. So Frankie's doing well. He's leaning into the emotion. He's riding the emotion, Jay. That is a very important thing to do. You ride the emotion. The scripture says this, be angry and sin not. It's, the scripture says it's all right to ride your emotion and feel your emotion, but it's not all right to hurt the other person in the process. And the thing that Frankie's doing wrong is that he's not having clear thinking after he's felt the feeling. So let me tell you something. You can do. You can lean into your emotion. 
You can ride your emotion, but after you've ridden your emotion and, and felt your feeling, then you've got a clear mind and you've got to think through and strategize what to do. You don't stay angry. You get the anger out, what, however you get the anger out, and then you've got a clear mind and you think what to do with that anger. All right. Um, Tonight, I'm going to look at three choices the Bible teaches that we, have, we can do every day to manage your mind. We've, look at, we've looked at three reasons why we should man manage our mind, and now we're going to look at three reasons, three ways to manage our mind. You ready? So the first one is this. We need to feed our mind. If we're going to manage our mind, we need to feed our mind on the truth. And Jesus in um, John 8 says, You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. The truth shall make you whole. So what is the truth? Well, Jesus is talking about actually the scripture. In Matthew 4, it says this, but Jesus told him, no, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus is saying this, you need to feed your mind on the truth, on the Bible. I could tell you lots of things that might be true, but they probably wouldn't set you free. I could tell you um, that those chairs are red, but that's probably not going to set you free. I found out the other day that icing sugar is real sugar. Did you know that, Kai? No, it is. Icing sugar is real sugar. That didn't really set me free, but it was an interesting piece of information. Um, so Jesus is saying that the truth sets us free. Uh, where am I up to? Psalm 1-2, look what Psalm 1-2 says. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Meditating on it day and night. So this scripture is saying it's good to meditate on it day and night, to think about it day and night. You know, one thing that Roz and Mark Zare have done that has been very good for us, nearly every morning, both of us get up, I get my brekkie, I go downstairs, and I get my Bible, I get my journal, I take my phone and I meditate and I read the Word of God. And it's in me. And when there's crisis or where there's, when there's temptation or when I'm having a really bad fight with Mark, I know that you wouldn't think that would happen, but sometimes we have big fights. Um, I, the, the scripture is in me and I can draw on the truth. Remember when Satan came to Jesus and he tried to get him off track from his pur purpose. So Jesus had fasted for 40 days and Satan came to Jesus because Satan wanted Jesus to get off track and not fulfill his purpose. He tempted him with material goods, with power and with a new identity. And uh, Jesus went face to face with Satan and kept saying, it is written, it is written. He used the word of God. Jesus had the word of God stored up in him and he could take on the enemy with the word of God. So how much truth do you have stored up in you? I've got a, This is a great quote I heard from a Navy SEAL. Under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. That's why we train so hard. So right now, if a baddie came after me, and Jay said, Roz, we have to run 10 kilometres to get away from the baddie. Guess what? I could say, yes, I'm going to rise to the occasion. But you, know, you would know and you would laugh because I can't rise to the occasion. I cannot run 10 kilometres. I'd probably go one kilometre. All right. Um, 
because I haven't trained. So, so it is with your spiritual life. You need to train so that in the moments of crisis, you fall back on your training. You can't rise to the occasion. You've got to fall back on your training. That is a great quote. Second way to manage your mind is to free your mind from destructive thoughts. You've got to train your mind to let go of thoughts that want to drag you into negativity and drag you into death, really, and to quitting. Um, and it isn't easy because there's a battle going on. So there's three forces. Tonight's the night of threes. There's three forces that work against you, work against your mind to try and mould you and take you away from the truth. The first one is your old nature. Romans 7 says this, But I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. So there's a lazy part of us all. We've all got it. It's the part that says, just give up. Just get back. Just get even. You don't have to go to church. You can be, stay really bitter. You can just stay insecure. You can stay really jealous. You can just be stuck like that for however. It doesn't want to do what God wants you to do. I'll tell you something. Our mind lies to us. Did you know that? Your mind lies to us, lies to you. Just because you think something and just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. You know, for many years, I thought my brain was Mrs. Perfect. I thought she got everything right. But she doesn't. She often lies to me. And your brain often lies to you too. One of the most important questions you can ask yourself is this. Ready? Is that really true? Turn to the person next to you and say, is that really true? It's like me in high school. My friend, me and Liz got busted for doing something in high school. And Mr Kirby, I never liked Mr Kirby. He was the English head teacher. He called us over and he said to me, he said, what's your name? And I lied to Taylor. I lied. I said, my name's Liz Smith. She was standing right next to me. And he looked at me and he said to Liz, what's your name? And she said, my name's Liz Smith. And then he said to me, is that really true? And at that moment, I was honest. Um, and I had to do lines. Do, do they still do lines at school? I do. I had to do lines for weeks and weeks. I am a good girl. I am a good girl. <laughs> so is that really true? true? No one really likes me. You've got to ask yourself, is that really true? Things will never change. In fact, they say that's the number one lie people believe. Nearly every lie you believe, everybody else believes it too, but the number one lie that human beings believe is nothing will ever change. The second lie that most humans believe is this, I'm not good enough. So if you, think any of, if you either think any of those thoughts this week, you've got to stop, jump outside of your body, your brain, and go, listen, brain, 
That is a lie. My life is worthless. Is that really true? I want to tell you something. I'm not a scientist, and so, Dave, just bear with me. <laughs> they say that the neural paths in our brain are the things that our thoughts travel along. And I say they are laid down very early. So all of your thoughts travel along a little neural path and then they speak out and say, I am worthless or whatever they say. The challenge for us is that the more we think them, we get shortcuts. So we get shortcuts in our brain and that's why in about, you can be eating a donut and be thinking, gee, this donut's nice. And in about 10 seconds later, you can be thinking, I hate myself. Because you have laid down in your brain a shortcut that can go from I'm eating a donut to I hate myself in 10 seconds. You didn't always think like that, but you've traveled that shortcut so many times in your brain that you can go there very quickly. And that's why people take their life very quickly. Some people can be fine in the afternoon and that night they will take their life because they can spiral very quickly and they believe what their brain tells them. The second force is Satan. So the first force is your old self. The second force that works against you is Satan. He wants to change your mind in all the wrong directions. I want to say two things. If you're a Christian, Satan has no power over you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But that doesn't mean he won't try. He can't force you to think anything, but he will suggest. He will say, do you really have the best life married to this person? Or do you really want to be honest on your tax form? I don't know what he'll say, but he suggests things. One of the biggest and this is the second thing I want to say about the enemy. One of the biggest ways Satan tries to trap us is to keep us in unforgiveness and keep you offended. In fact, the word for offence is the word trap. So the enemy, because we all get offended, because we live in a broken world and we all hurt one another. All right. So the enemy tries, so Taylor hurts me, fair enough, that's just life. But the enemy tries to come and start whispering and say, you should never forgive her. She, did, she doesn't like you. She's never, she never says hello to you in church. And I get caught in offence. And if I get caught in offence, let me tell you something. If you're caught in offence, the Holy Spirit can never, can't flow through you. And he's got you. So don't get offended. All right, and the last force that works against your mind is the world, the culture. The world's values are usually completely different to God's values. They are promoted all around us, advertising, movies, TV, social media, celebrities. The scripture says in Romans 12, don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world. Listen to this. It will squeeze you into its mould. So I know the world and out there says if you're in the world, you can be completely unique. And completely different. But this scripture says that actually if we follow the world's culture, it squeezes us all into the same mould. You want to be unique? You want to be you? You want to be free? Follow Christ. All right. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is, so I've said feed your mind, free your mind. And the last one, guess what, Zach, also starts with F. I know. It is focus your mind. 
2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, We tear down arguments and every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. So if you circle the word strongholds there, what is a stronghold? I'll tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a shortcut. Remember I've talked about shortcut? A stronghold is a thought in your life that you don't wrestle anymore, that you hardly wrestle anymore. One of the strongholds I had growing up was I hate myself. It was a well-worn track. And I'll tell you why it was a stronghold, because it controlled me. It's a lie. A stronghold is a lie that you believe not once or twice, but you believe over and over again, and it controls the way you act. And I've got to tell you, it's not easy breaking strongholds. But this scripture says, no, we've got to go into a wrestling match with them, and we've got to take them captive and pin them down. All right. Um, I'll get the musos to come. I just want to talk a little bit about... Finish with this. I want to talk to you a little bit about what happened to me in year 11 and 12. So I had depression. I don't know where I got the lie was that I hated myself. In fact, you know, I used to think I was the antichrist. I thought if Christ was perfect, I was, would be the most imperfect, so I must be the antichrist. I wasn't even a Christian. Um, but it was very dangerous, and that stronghold, what was that stronghold, what was it trying to do? It was trying to take me out. Dan Zare's here somewhere. Dan Zare wouldn't have even been born. It was trying to take me out when I was 17 or 18. No one could change my thinking for me. You can go to a psychologist, you can listen to a podcast, you can read the scripture, but I want to tell you something. You are responsible for your own thinking. No one could change it for me. I had to do the work myself. So I did. When I was 20 years old, I became a Christian and I started to change the way I think. There's lots of way you can, ways you can change the way you think. But for me, by the time I was 20, let me tell you, I was exhausted. <laughs> it gets exhausted listening to these lies. So I thought, I'm going to find out the truth. I need to find out the truth because I don't want to waste another 20 years. Truth is greater than any memory, any experience, any perspective, social media, what people say, how I perceive myself, what I would like to be or what my parents thought. And this was the truth that came to me, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, even though my brother said that my nose was half a centimetre too big when I was seven, and I still remember that because <laughs> we remember those things, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He didn't make any mistakes when he made me. He made me just the way he wanted me to make. And I have got the perfect sized nose. And I am loved. And I still stumble. You still stumble. Because we're on a journey to wholeness and you never get to perfection. And there's sometimes days that it, it's, I'll still have a tough day. 
But the shortcut in my brain now has gone from I hate myself to I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to finish with this. Matthew 28. I want to give you a picture. I want you to finish with this picture. In Matthew 28, we read that the two Marys come to the tomb and they look inside the tomb, but it was empty. And there's an angel there and the angel says to say to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. So they run to tell the disciples, but on the way they meet Christ. They clasp his feet. They fall down and worship. And he says, he greets them and he says, do not be afraid. Now I want you to look at that photo. It's a bit blurry, but that's okay. Because <laughs> that's us. That's you and I. Every thought either takes you into the tomb, into a dead end, into stuckness or into life. So they turned from the tomb, it said. They turned from the tomb and they went after Christ and they went after life. You have to go after life. You have to go after life. And you can go after life. You can go after life starting now. But I've got to tell you this. You have to be aware of your thoughts. Don't let one thought come into your brain that you're not aware of. Don't, let your, don't tell yourself that you can't control your thoughts. You can control your thoughts. But when you get to that tomb and you see that dark thought and you hear that lie, you say, I'm not going in there. I'm going to turn away and I am going into the truth. And you've got to figure out the truth. And you've got to do some work. If you're lazy, it's not going to happen for you. Transformation takes some wrestle. And I've got the last one up here. I've got some declarations. I've got some declarations for you. Have a look at those. I'm not going to read them. I'm going to ask five brave people in a minute to come up and read the declaration that resonates with them. And I'll tell you what you're doing. If you can read this with faith, you are putting your heel into the enemy. And you're saying, this is where I'm going and this is the truth about me. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to cheer every time someone says that declaration. We've got Levi and James coming up first. (laughs) I dobbed them in at the beginning of the service because I didn't want to... Glog it. Come on, right up the front. Good. We need three others. Who else is going to come? Good. Good, Chris. Two others. Go, Emma. Because this is the body of Christ. This is who we are. This is what we say about us. Right up the front, Em. One other person. Yes. Good, Lani. This is good. I want to tell you, young people. Young people are good, aren't they? All right. We're going to pass. Who's ready to go first? Good. We're going to pass the mic. And we're going to cheer after each one. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's stand up. (laughs) 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Look out, world, here I come. God has got a future and a hope for me. Jeremiah 29, 11. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I am completely forgiven and I am righteous in Christ. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Well done. Stay standing, stay standing. Well done. How good does that feel? Stay standing because we're going to finish with a couple of songs and get George to come up. But while are they still up there, I want you to say one under your breath. You didn't get a chance, but it doesn't matter because God can hear. That, all of that is truth. It will last forever. I don't care how you feel or what other people have said. That up there is truth. Thanks, George. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.